1: on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started to grab a shot on opening day. I'd be totally cool with it. I think it, would, it, it if that doesn't give San motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter the first unanimous so, in vote. And I hate that about baseball, right? If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame.
0: Achievement, team in Ernie Moss, they're not just be like, Hey, we found this play for threw it out No. Now... Your host. All right everybody, welcome on into Red Sox Beat this week here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider for audiovisual coverage of your Boston Red Sox and you can follow CLNS on all platforms of social media, Twitter, at CLNS media, Facebook, CLNS media there. And, of course, follow us on iTunes, and rate, reviews. subscribe to us. Follow us on Twitter, at Red Sox underscore beat. And, if you can't tell by now, I'm not Jared Scalley. He is not here this week. So, it's me, Lauren Campbell, here with Jess Thomas. And, Jess, how are you this week?
1: Good. Had a lot of baseball, uh, exciting baseball, and terribly horrendous baseball in the last week. A lot of stuff to cover.
0: Yeah, a lot of stuff to cover, and, uh... It's been—it was a wild week. It was up and down, and it was just—I don't know. I, my heart sank. My heart was happy. It was just a wild week, all in all, for the Sox.
1: Sure was. Um. So we'll start. We'll start a little recap here. I don't have Jared to throw it over to me, so uh, we'll just we'll just get it going here. Um. And start with the good, which was Tuesday against the Yankees. Uh. This matchup was Drew Pomeranz versus Masahiro Tanaka, and. Uh, the Red Sox knocked Tanaka around just like everyone else has this season. Uh, Tanaka has a horrendous ERA. It's 6.55 currently after that start. He gave up five runs and five hits in five innings. Lots of fives for Tanaka. Uh, the Sox got up early on a fielder's choice in the first, and the Yankees tied it at one in the second. But then it was home run party. Mitch Moreland hit a two-run homer in the fourth, followed by Hanley Ramirez right after him, back-to-back homers. That was 4-1. to one. And Benintendi made it 5-1 to one with a home run, one inning later in the fifth. Unfortunately, the Yankees came back a little bit. Chris Carter had a home run, and then Dee Gregorius hit into a double play for a run and then struck out, reached in a wild pitch, and they scored a run that way. And that was 5-4. to four. That was in the eighth inning, but the Yankees could not score again. Pomerantz lasted five innings, six hits, two runs, one earned. Once again, a lot of pitches for him, 123 in five innings, but... He kept the Yankees down, the bullpen didn't blow it completely, and Craig Kimbrell came in for a four-out save and got five strikeouts because of the wild pitch in the eighth. So we got more strikeouts than he got outs. So, good offensive game, good enough, at least, and then at least Pomerantz kept him in the game.
0: Yeah, it was definitely, you know, Kimbrell, he's just, there's nothing this guy can't do this year. I know we've talked about him week after week on our show, and he's just definitely a bright spot for this team right now, but... I know you mentioned Palmer is throwing a lot of pitches. Do you have any major concerns about him right now?
1: I mean, yeah, he throws too much. I think that they think that there's something wrong, not necessarily, like, injured with his arm, but, like, he's he's not able to get, like, the right torque on his pitches to, to, like, make them, like, hard enough to get the guys out so guys foul off a lot of pitches, which in turn makes them throw more pitches. So, like, it's not like he's hurt, but he's not like getting the right angle on the on the pitch, but he's still pitching okay. So I'm not sure there's nothing to be concerned about. I mean, obviously, it's a little concerning because he's had arm problems in the past. But obviously, yeah, I mean, they're going to need him to get deeper into games to be more of a solid starter. But I- I'm not that concerned.
0: Well, that's good. I mean, my only concern is that I don't think he looks confident. And I know it's hard to look confident on the mound when you know, you're throwing a lot of pitcher through. Not a lot of innings. People are fouling ball after ball off on you and you know, the, the runs he's giving up, it's just it's not the Pomerans we saw early in the season, but I mean I'm not I'm not too concerned, it just I'm more concerned of for our bullpen if he can't get deep into games.
1: Yeah, I mean you gotta go more than four or five innings. Hundred and twenty three pitches in five innings is insane. That is yeah, it's absolutely a lot of ridiculous. <laughs> Way, way too many pitches, unfortunately. So, But it was a win, regardless. So, 5-4 win, which was excellent. Uh, and thank God, because the rest of the series was absolute garbage. Starting with Wednesday, an 8 nothing Yankees win uh, over Rick Porcello. CC Sabathia got the win. He went eight innings, gave up five hits, no walks, and five strikeouts. He was dominant. Porcello, not so much. Six and a third, eight hits, six runs, five earned, five strikeouts. Did get him, get him through six in the third innings through 103 pitches. So, unlike Pomerantz, he got a little deeper into the game, even though he didn't pitch well. But really the big inning in this game was the fourth inning. Uh, it was one nothing going into the fourth after Gregorius hit a home run in the third. But Gary Sanchez hit an RBI single to make it 2 nothing, and then Chris Carter blasted a three-run homer to make it 5-0. And the Sox couldn't do anything after that, or before that for that matter. But the Yankees tacked on three more after that. Um, I think this game was, more, I mean, yes, Porcello did not pitch well, and he gave up that big home run. Other than the home run, I don't think he pitched that bad. But, I mean, obviously, the problem in this game, as has been documented by a lot of people, is that 6-9 through nine in the order, sorry, 5-9 through nine in the order, was Sam Travis, Sandy Leone, Josh Rutledge, Jackie Bradley Jr., Devin Morero and Chris Young hit second. This lineup was absolutely awful.
0: Yeah, when it came out, I was just like, what is going on? Like, Chris Young second. through like you said, it was just a garbage lineup, and obviously it showed because they didn't push any runs across the plate, and it was just an extremely frustrating game, and especially for Porcello, because he didn't pitch awful like you said. No, it wasn't a quality start by any means, but I mean, this was, I think it was this game, this was the 6th or 7th time in 13 of Porcello's starts that the Red Sox didn't score. So take those 6 games that have them win 2 or 3 of those if they you know, if they scored for for the poor guy, that vastly changes his ERA and his record. So, I mean, I know he's not having a good year, you know, after the year he had last year, but it's not all on Porcello at all.
1: Yeah, it's not as bad as it seems, and obviously we're both Porcello fans, so we're going to, you know, we're going to say that he's good more than some other people may, uh, but yeah, I, I did the recap of this game, and you're right, six, six out of his 13 starts at that point, he had not gotten a run while he was in the, in the game and that happened again in that game and it's you know you can't win that way as a result he fell to three and eight uh, then Oops. things things got good after that um, moving on to Thursday um, if you listen to our round table then you you got you got a clue in this one yes Jess Thomas himself woke up at 10 a.m and did a round table about David price that's how exciting You posted this was. a round
0: table give yourself more credit than
1: that yeah I post I recorded it and I posted the round table and hosted Record, host, and post—pretty <laughs> incredible. You did it all. At jack 10, of all trades over here. Yeah, 10 a.m. It was unbelievable, but I did it because it was big news. Because David Price cussed out the media on Wednesday night, on the day before his start on Thursday, uh, and I mean, everyone knows what happened at this point. You know, he said, he said, you know, f the media, f all of them. He didn't say f, but you can you can pretty much know <laughs> what he says. <laughs> and we can't
0: say. F. But <laughs> yeah, we can't
1: say it. We can say F. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what basically what happened was Dan Shaughnessy wrote an article because Price told him he's not doing any more interviews, no personal interviews, no nothing, uh, other than the days he pitches well, he'll just talk to the media after the start. Uh, and then after that, Evan Drellick of CSN just posted his tweets, posted in his tweets different parts of Dan Shaughnessy's article, and then after that he just basically backed up Price and said, that in the rules he doesn't have to talk to the media. You know he stated what the rules were, so he's backing him up. And then Price took him aside after the game and just went nuts on him. And people could hear him yelling at him and cussing at him, and it was just completely overblown. And then um, and then Price just said f them all when Steve Buckley was in the room, and that was it. And then he wrote a whole article about everything that Price said after that. So Price turned a lot of heads with the, with this one before it starts. So. Before we even get to a start, obviously, thoughts on this. We obviously both talked about it in the roundtable, but just to follow up on it.
0: Yeah, I mean, my opinion still hasn't changed about anything. If, if anything, it's gotten less of price, which I'm sure we'll get into later on because of how we acted after. But it's the fact that, you know, we just had Evan on our show. He was an awesome guest, awesome awesome guy. Like, I mean, you you guys work at CSN, so for him to pull him aside, I have no issue with him pulling – Gallagher aside, that's not my issue it's the fact that he essentially lost his mind on Evan for defending him you know Evan said he's within his rights to not talk to the media and what does he do he goes and talks to the media like he just absolutely blows up and I don't care if he doesn't want to do personal interviews I don't care if he wants to talk only after his starts I don't care I care that he lost his mind over a tweet I, I care that he lost his mind over social media and that's just not the mentality you have to you have when you pitch here, when you play here. it's look. It looks terrible on, on Price. It doesn't look terrible on anybody else. It just it looks bad on Price, and especially after his start, which I know you're about to get into for this game, it just makes it even worse, because it kind of makes it look like, you know, once again, the fans and the media was in his head. He's too worried about what people think of him, and he just needs to go out there and pitch. It's that simple.
1: He needs to grow up as he needs to do. He's just... Basically, whatever he says... Think the opposite because, like, he says, like, oh, I'm not going to talk to the media, and then he goes and talks to the media. He says, like, oh, I'm not looking at Twitter every day, and then he goes and looks at Twitter and freaks out at somebody about it. It's like whatever he says is literally the exact opposite of what's true. We're just maddening.
0: What gets me too is that whether he was like shown the tweet or if he went and searched, which I'm sure he went and searched, he had to go and search his name because Evan didn't tag David Price's Twitter handle. No. So to sit, there, it reminds me of like Erin Andrews does this. She goes and searches her name, like who cares there's no matter how good you are i'm sure people hate chris sale and i'm sure people hate dustin Pedroia. you know dustin Pedroia. to go search his name on twitter after the whole manny machado thing like come hmm. on it drives me nuts
1: yeah the guy's soft he's not made for boston he's just this is not the place for him he should have signed with st louis but we're stuck with him for now unfortunately i lost a lot of respect for him with this like i said in the round table and uh and he's still not pitching well as a result, which is even more maddening. Um, so he pitched that game on Thursday, and he got absolutely smoked. He gave up eight hits, six runs, four walks, and only four strikeouts in just five innings. He threw 107 pitches in five innings, did his best Drew Pomeran's impression, and, <laughs> and he was completely outpitched by Michael Pineda, who went seven innings and only gave up one run, and it was unearned, and four hits total, eight strikeouts. Uh, the Yankees got up early and often in this game. The big blasts were two Gary Sanchez bombs. He had a three-run homer in the third, and he had a two-run homer in the fifth. That was 6-1. to one. Brett Gardner added on with a home run of his own in the eighth to make it 8-1. to 9-1 to one was the final. But really, the offense was terrible again. Yes, we know that. But Price put him in a deep hole right away. And, I mean, the worst part, I think, with this is not even how many runs he gave up, but he's all over the place. Four walks. Not good.
0: No, it's not... This is not the David Price that we know. It's not; he's not the same pitcher he was with Tampa or anybody or any other team for that matter. And it's maddening because we know he's a good pitcher. We know what he's capable of. We, we've seen it. We've seen it firsthand. And for whatever reason, you know, obviously he's not mentally tough enough to play here. He just he can't get it together. And I don't know if it's you know the media. I don't know if it's because Boston is. Such a different market than anything he's played in before, and I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Four walks doesn't like him at all. Um, one hundred seven pitches, not a lot of innings. Again, like you said, best Drew Pomeranz in park. It's the only way to only way to describe it. And every, I mean, I hate thinking like, okay, maybe you know one bad start, whatever, I'll let it slide. But it just it was so not David Price, and it's it's frustrating because you know they obviously invested a lot of money in him. To start, and then he started this season injured, and this I can just see this going downhill even faster and faster for David Price as it gets deeper into the season.
1: Well, weird thing about this game is that, like, it, it didn't seem like last year, like, he picked at the corners a lot um, and didn't get some calls, but it didn't seem like he had that many walks. But it's just, like, since he's come off the DL and since the whole meltdown and everything, it's, his control's been, like, just very off, and, like, that's not what he, like, he so said, not what he used to be with Tampa Bay, Detroit, and, uh, in Toronto it's just, like, he, he was known as, like, the pinpoint control guy. And now he just, like, can't even find the plate. And he's all over the place. And it's not good. It's a shame. So that was... No, and
0: he's, he's 31. So he shouldn't be, like, hitting a, a plateau right now. He should be really hitting a stride and kind of being the best pitcher he can be right now. If he was 35, 36, yeah, I'd, I'd expect something like this. But he, he's young. He, like, this is when he should be great.
1: Well, he's certainly not great. And as a result, the Sox lost 2 out of 3 in that series. Um, so actually, Jared got that right as well. We both picked win 2 out of 3. He picked lose 2 out of 3. So we'll give Jared some credit for that. And that brings us into the Detroit series on the, over the weekend, uh, starting with a Friday game. This one was a 5-3 to three win, which was good to see after losing big time, getting outscored 17-1 against the Yankees. Uh, this one was interesting because the offense wasn't there for a while. And Detroit got up early, two to nothing in the first inning. Nicholas Castellanos hit a solo home run in the first, and Justin Upton hit an RBI single to make it two to nothing off of Brian Johnson. This was Johnson against Jordan Zimmerman. And Johnson settled down after that a couple scoreless innings until Mikey Mata hit a solo home run in the fourth to make it three to nothing. But this was the only runs that the Tigers would get the whole rest of the game. This was really a great job by the bullpen. Uh, after Johnson went out after four and a third. Heath Hembry, Joe Kelly, Matt Barnes, Craig Kimbrell all came in. They all got two strikeouts each. They only gave up three hits total, so they all pitched really well and gave the offense time to come back, which they did. Uh, Mitch Moreland hit a home run to make it 3-1, to one, and then it was 3-2 to two going into the eighth inning, and Moreland tied the game. He did his thing again with an RBI single to tie it at three, and then Jackie Bradley Jr. just absolutely lost a... Blast home run, 445 feet, um, well into the bullpen to make it 5 to 3. So, Moreland had two huge hits. Jackie had two huge hits. So, they were definitely the two MVPs of that game. Bradley was 2 for 4 with 3 RBI. Moreland was 3 for 4 with 2 RBI and 2 runs. So, they won that game together. Uh, Jordan Zimmerman p- pitched pretty well, but old friend and former Red Sox Alex Wilson blew the game. Uh, so, really, I mean, great comeback. Um, Brian Johnson didn't pitch that bad, the bullpen was great, so really good win after completely being absolutely awful against the Yankees.
0: Music to my ears that Brian Johnson didn't pitch all that bad, so, I mean, obviously it wasn't, you know, a 109-pitch shutout what it was last time, but, you know, he kept the team in the game, and the offense came through when they needed to, especially, you know, Mitch Moreland, Jackie Bradley, he just absolutely unloaded on that ball, it just... It went so far and just over the bullpen into, like, that little exit ramp, the little stairway, whatever they want to call it. It just... And, you know, you sat out there in the bleachers before. That's a long way to hit a baseball.
1: You don't see many that go that far, and, like, that one, probably, like, 15, 20 rows deep or so.
0: Yep. <laughs>
1: like, over the exit sign for, like, the entryway to get into that, that section. It was real far. At least 10 rows back. I'm guessing probably more like 15. It was wild, so... So that was awesome. That was a really good win. Comeback win. Haven't had a lot of those this year, so that was really fun. Um, and want to quickly note that, that was Dustin Bedroy's return. Uh, he went over for four in that game, but better things to come from him. Um, let's put this into Saturday's game, and this game was an eleven to three win. Very deceiving score. Um, it was not this. It was not <laughs> this out of hand uh, because it was three to three after six innings. Um, this was a marquee pitching matchup, or supposed to be at least. It was Chris Sale against Justin Verlander, and neither one pitched great. Neither one pitched terrible. Uh, Sale was definitely better than Verlander. Also, it lasted a lot longer. Verlander went five innings. Sale went seven. Verlander had five hits, three runs, four walks, three strikeouts. Sale gave up more hits with nine, but same amount of runs, three, and he didn't have any walks, and he struck out seven. So I think better overall for Sale. Um, but the difference in this game was the pitching, the, uh, the bullpens. The Tigers had two pitchers to pitch one inning and both give up three and five runs. It was Warwick Sapold gave up four hits and three runs in one inning. And then Arsenio Leone, Sandy's long-lost brother, just kidding, I don't really know if he is or not. Uh, <laughs> he was even worse. He gave up four hits and five runs and three walks. He was absolutely garbage. Uh, he probably won't last much longer if he's even there now. Um, so how the run scored, um, we'll get to the good stuff, uh, which was the seventh inning on after it was tied 3-3. to Moreland got a 2-RBI double to make it 5-3, to another huge hit from Mitch. And then Josh Rutledge drove him in with an RBI single to make it 6-3. And then the pudding on the top of the cake uh, in the eighth inning, Xander Bogart's RBI double to make it 7-3. to Andrew Benintendi had a 2-RBI single to make it 9-3. to and then Josh Rutledge walked with the bases loaded 10-3. to San Diego SAC fly 11-3. So a lot of runs late in this game off their awful bullpen. A lot of good individual performances. Three hits for Bogarts, two for Moreland, and three RBI. Three RBI from Ben Benintendi. Josh Rutledge had three walks, two hits, and a run, and two RBI. Uh, that was like the stat line he had. Like hadn't been done since Johnny Pesky in the 40s. Pretty crazy. He reached base five times without getting out. Uh, then Pedroia had two hits and three runs in this game, also in his second game. So a lot of good performances in this game. Uh, not as much of a marquee matchup as you'd expect, but at least both pitchers did well. But the Tigers' bullpen stinks.
0: Yeah, and the, it clearly showed, and it was fun. I got I recapped this game, and it was there's so much fun. I was like, oh, I'm like this game looks like it's going to go into extras. You know, it's three three, and then all of a sudden it's like run after run after run, and. I can't even remember who I gave game MVP to, but I know I gave a shout-out to Josh Rutledge because, like you said, they got on base five times, and it was just... He really came in clutch, and, you know, they, they benched Panda because uh, Verlander's a right-handed uh, pitcher. So they, they benched him, and Rutledge just really had a really good game. I don't think we should put too much thought into that by any means, but when you do something that hasn't been done since Johnny Pesky, you know, you're in good company. But it was just... It was so good just to see everybody get a hit. And I think, well, besides Mookie, which brings me to Chris Dale, when he said, oh, those guys, they did great. Everybody got a hit. And then somebody said, Mookie Betts, and he goes, he's the best player on our team. It doesn't even count. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's great. Like that's, I just, he's so good for this team. And I just, I love everything about his starts, good, bad, mediocre, because he doesn't care. And, you know, obviously the, the offense really shined in this game and. Whether it was, you know, a mediocre start—if that's what you want to call it—for Chris Dale, it, you know, it got overshadowed because we scored 11 runs in one in a in that big seventh inning. So I don't care how he pitches; we got 11 runs and we won the game.
1: Exactly, and I mean, really, with with Rutledge, he's been underratedly very good. Like he's been pretty solid for this team, and you know, playing every other day, every third day or so, and he's you know, he's put up some good numbers, really. I mean, at this point, he's hitting, uh, he's hitting 259. He's got nine RBI, nine runs. So like, nothing, nothing to go crazy about. But like, he's been solid for the team. He's played some good defense. So good for him for, uh, for stepping up, especially in this game. And then yeah, I mean, with Sale. It's like uh, an average game for him is like a good game for anybody else. We're sitting here like, yeah, he was okay, as he got seven strikeouts and seven innings. I know, right. I know, nine hits, but it's like, you know, he got the win. So. That's all that matters. And he's 8-2 now, and his ERA Is he already under 3 at 297, so... I, I think he'll go through another stretch where he walks down, and he pitches, like, really well, like he did at the beginning of the season. Obviously, he hasn't been as good recently, but, you know, still quality starts 95% of the time, and he's, you know, he's 8-2, which he should be. So it's, it's good to have him. It's good to have a good offense, and both these games were good games to have after that Yankee series.
0: Oh, no doubt. It was just... Definitely refreshing. So I'm I'm, I'm very happy. Very ha- good game for me to recap too. It's a lot of lot of fun, lot of enthusiasm in that
1: one. Yes, fun games, good games are fun to recap for sure. Um, unfortunately, that brings us into Sunday's game, which was the, the clunker of the series. Unfortunately, trying to get a uh, th- a three and three week, and uh, that would not happen. Um, sorry, a four and two week. That wouldn't happen. A three and three week is what it ended up being. Uh, This was an 8-3 Tigers win. Daniel Norris versus Drew Pomerantz. And uh, once again, quick start for the Tigers. Uh, It's happened a couple times in the series. Nicholas Castellanos had another first-inning home run. Two runs this time to make it 2-0. And Justin Upton singled in J.D. Martinez to make it 3-0. But then the Sox clawed back, got within one. Uh, Hanley Ramirez, RBI single, Dust Bedroy, RBI double in the first and third innings to make it 3-2. And then Justin Upton hit the big blow. He hit a grand slam off the right field foul pull to make it 7-2 to in the fifth. And then two more runs would score one for each team to make it 8-3 to three final. Sox had plenty of hits. They had 12 hits with uh, two hits coming from Betts, Pedroia, Ramirez, and Bradley Jr. But not enough runs. Uh, Pomerantz just gave up that big grand slam, which was the killer. He ended up going four in a third innings, throwing 93 pitches again, but really, I mean, he came out of the game because he wasn't sharp. He just wasn't good. And obviously, Grand Slam will do that to you. Uh, Norris was definitely a little bit better, but just, you know, it's hard to overcome Grand Slams, and that's, that was the story of this game.
0: Yeah, when I saw that, when I saw the Grand Slam, when I saw the ball leave the park, I was just like, ugh. I was like, it's so hard to come back from that, whether it's, you know, 4 nothing, 7-3, like, no matter what, like, you're going to be down by at least four. And that's that's hard enough to come back from. And it was just, I mean, I wanted them to go for the Of course I wanted them to go for the sweep. It would have been a hell of a way to end that series. But it was just, they were outplayed by that one run. And it was just, uh, that one run, that those five runs. But it was just, it was uh, very frustrating. Because it was just kind of like, the offense just kind of like, just like eh, what happened?
1: What's baseball? Yeah, Grand Slams are pretty deflating, for sure. I mean, that's definitely hard to come back from, and they couldn't. So the Sox won two out of three from Detroit. You predicted that series right. So Ooh. you were you and Jared both got one part of it right. I got neither parts right, unfortunately, but I uh, can't win them all. <laughs> and um, we're going to do some extra <laughs> recappage here um, because we're doing the show here on Tuesday instead of Monday, and there's been two games since that already, both against the Philadelphia Phillies. It's a four-game series, but really it's a considered two-two-game series, I guess, because two were at home and two were on the road. So we'll start with the home ones. Uh, obviously, we didn't predict these games because they hadn't... They, You know, we should have been doing the show earlier, per se. But either way, uh, we'll take you through those games, too, because they were awesome games. I mean, not awesome in the sense that they shouldn't have been this close, but awesome in the sense that they were awesome um, because of walk-offs. So we'll start with Monday. Uh, yesterday is recording time here. Uh, six to five win in eleven innings. This one was a Dustin Pedroia walk off single in the eleventh inning, off Casey Fiend and it was awesome. It was a great celebration. But before we get into that more, I'll take it back to the beginning. Uh, Rick Porcello against Jared Ichoff, and Porcello once again not good. Six innings, ten hits, five runs, one walk, four strikeouts. Um, but really. Not to, not to keep beating a dead horse and backing him up when he doesn't pitch well, but he threw 114 pitches, gotten through six innings, and four of the five runs he gave up were in the first inning. So he just had a bad start. They got a couple hits in a row, made it four to nothing, and then he settled down, made it through six, only allowing one more run the whole rest of the time. And meanwhile, the Sox clawed back. Ben intended to get a home run to make it four to one. A couple runs later, and a Mookie Betts double, and it was four to four and then uh, the Phillies got a run right back in the 5th to make it 5-4. to four. Hanley Ramirez blasted a solo home run in the 8th over the Monster, which tied the game at 5. Huge hit for him. And then Pedroia had his RBI single in the 11th inning. So, once again, I'm not being hard on Porcello because he kept him in the game after a terrible start. And, I mean, to come back from being down 4 to nothing, I know the Phillies are the worst team in the league, but it still happened, and the Sox outlasted them long enough to snipe them in the 11th inning.
0: Yeah, it was great. And I'm going to give a shout-out to uh, you know, Mike Setapani because he uh, ended up not being able to do the recap, and so I took the recap. So I was like, Ugh, I don't want to recap a loss. The game went longer in the extra inning, so I'm like, it's going to be a late one. But it was so much fun. I was so amped after it because just... I don't know if it was more so the walk-off feel or if it was Pedroia's reaction, just like Dave O'Brien was like, he's running for his life. And it was just, he chopped into the arms of family. Robbie Ross has thrown water on him, and he's just, he's smiling. He looked genuinely happy. And I think that's what made me the most excited is that's the excitement I love from this team. And I just love, and of course, a walk-off win. You, you have to get excited. It's an exciting game. They came back, and, and for Pedroia, to the opposite field and for him to come up big like that, he hasn't really had a big clutch hit in a while, so that that made me real
1: happy. I couldn't believe it had been seven years since he had a walk-off RBI.
0: God, I was 20 years old the last time he had one. I was 18. Wow.
1: <laughs> <it> was <big. laughs> Crazy. Yeah, that was awesome. That was a great, great walk-off. Four hits for bets in the game, three doubles. Pedroia had the two hits and two RBI. Ben had three hits and two RBI. Moreland had two hits. Great game all around, and uh, and once again, we should point out, excellent bullpen work. We got an inning each from Joe Kelly, Robbie Scott, and Craig Kimbrell, and then Matt Barnes pitched two innings, gave three hits, and got into a couple jams, but he had five strikeouts, which was huge, so bullpen again. The bullpen's been good all year, really. I mean, you can't complain about them.
0: No, and it's, it's great, you know, Matt Barnes, especially with those five strikeouts, came in clutch, because, you know, I, I mentioned in my recap, it's kind of a nervous feeling when he gets on the mound, and then he got himself into those jams, and I'm like, great, here goes the game, but he really came up big, and that that's exactly what I wanted from him, and to see his excitement, it was just fabulous.
1: Yeah, that was a great win, so, start off the week well, which was great to see. Which brings us into Tuesday's game, which was tonight, and by golly, it was another walk-off. Two awesome walk-offs against the Phillies at home. Uh, not ideal against the worst team in the league, like I said, for the first game, but hey, it got the job done either way. This one was a 4-3 to final, and this one was in 12 innings, so we had an 11-inning game and a 12-inning game. Uh, this one was started by David Price and Ben Lively, and they both gave up three runs, six innings for Price, seven for Lively. Price gave up four hits, four walks again, and six strikeouts. Uh, Lively pitched pretty well, too, um... And it was, close, it was close for the whole game. I mean, it was one nothing in the first for the Sox. Benintendi walked with the bases loaded. Then Hanley Ramirez hit into a double play. Could have been a lot more. Uh, Vasquez made it 2 nothing with an RBI double. And then Aaron Alter hit a two-run homer to tie it at two off Bryce. It was a blast. Way over the monster. Fortunately, Mitch Moreland hit a home run of his own. I believe that was the third of the week for him. and Well, the week that we're talking about. And that made it 3-2. to but then Michael Saunders had a fielder's choice, and the Sox couldn't turn a double play, and the Phillies tied the game at three. And that was in the sixth inning, and nobody scored after that until the 12th when Andrew Benintendi hit an RBI single to right. It was almost a home run. It was right in front of the wall, which was following Mitch Moreland, who had just almost won the game with a home run of his own off the top of the monster. So two near wins there. Benintendi got the job done for his third hit of the game, two RBI. Um, and just another good, excellent... Extra inning win. Uh, a lot of hits in this game 26 hits, only seven runs. Just couldn't put the runs across the board. But really, I mean, the first thing I want to point out before Price and before Ben Attendee is that the bullpen pitched six more innings of shutout baseball. Unbelievable.
0: Unbelievable is right because, you know, I, I get nervous when the pitchers can't go more than five innings because, you know, we have to go to our bullpen so early and I don't want them to get overworked. We've seen when our pitchers get overworked, just how crappy that can be, so it's just amazing, they seem so just like brick wall and just dominant, that they're just, they're so good and it makes me extremely happy because we don't even have Carson Smith back and Tyler Thornburg, which who knows, if we will even get it back this year, but it just it makes me happy that we're not relying on somebody to come back and be like oh, welcome back, save our season so it's definitely gives them a lot of You know, wiggle room, especially the All-Star break's coming up in five or six weeks now, so it's just so good. So it's such a positive thing because, you know, I know we did have some questions kind of going into the season about the bullpen, but they're they're everything that they need to be.
1: And honestly, people have kind of crapped on them even this season and, like, from, like, game to game and, like, that, but if you look at the overall numbers and the ERAs of these bullpen guys and how many five, six inning games they've had where they've where they've given up no runs or one run, there's been a lot of them. So, like, I think people who are negative about them haven't been watching the games enough because they've been lights out every time, and it's a great combination. You know, Scott, Henry, Boyer's been pitching great. Abad's had a really good season. Kimball's obviously been untouchable. Barnes has been really solid. Like, it's a really good core, Joe Kelly. I mean, they've been really good. I just, I just feel like it's super overlooked. I feel like people aren't talking about it at all.
0: No, and I think I'm going to go back to you saying Abad's having a really good season because he was horrendous last year. It was, and Joe Kelly wasn't even that good last year. So to see, you know, Joe Kelly whipping the ball at 102 miles an hour and to see Abad come in here and just really just turn everything around because he was so awful last year, where now it's like, all right, we can trust him coming into these kinds of situations. So all around, I do think they're being overlooked because there's other things going on with this team, but absolutely this bullpen has just been...
1: Really keeping this team in a lot of big games. Yeah, Abad won tonight. It's 2 0 now, and his ERA is 279. Uh, let's get to Price. I mean, six innings, three hits. I'm sorry, four hits, three runs, four walks, six strikeouts. Once again, right back to what I said earlier, four walks, two games in a row. I mean, ZRA is 509. Like, he didn't pitch that bad tonight, but it was against a pretty bad team. And getting the four walks. That's my concern. Like, the runs aren't my concern, the walks are. Yeah, it's
0: it's. Definitely the walks. It's it's kind of like last year at, when he was getting a lot of strikeouts, double to strikeouts, but giving up too many runs. And this year it's giving up too many walks, and he's only had two or three starts. So it's definitely concerning. I I still think you know he's he's in his own head. He's letting the others affect him around him negatively, and it's it's going to come out on the mound, and that's what isn't good because that's like we talked about earlier. This isn't the David Price we know he can be, but. And I'll give him the credit; he didn't pitch awful. It was a much better start, and I think it's a step in the right direction. But the walks have got to get under control.
1: he said 21 walks and 11. Sorry, 21 strikeouts and 11 walks in four games. That's just not really good. That's half as mm. many, more, more more than half as many walks as strikeouts.
0: That's that's not good. I I I have no words for that. Just because he's we signed him two years ago to be our ace and. Those aren't ace-like numbers. They're not even close to ace-like numbers. No. And yeah, that's, what, that's why we went and got Chris Sale. I, I, I'm totally behind that move. I'll always be behind that move. But David Price just isn't David Price anymore. He's not an ace. And, you know, he's looking like a three or four starter right now.
1: Yeah, 11 walks. He's given up five home runs in his four starts. He's gone five, seven, five, and six innings. So he's not really getting that deep. You know, two, <laughs> two five-inning starts. You know, too many hits. And the Yankees game, other than that, not too bad in the hits, but, you know, runs 6-3-3-1. Just very, very average, super average so far, and that's not what we want, obviously. And it's, you know, maybe he's just working his way back and he'll get better, but not too encouraging so far, and between that and the the meltdown and everything, it's just not, not a good look for Price this year so far. I mean, some people didn't expect him to pitch at all, but he is pitching, and he's not doing well, so that's... Obviously, something you got to look at, which is too bad. Um,
0: yeah, definitely. It's just, it just—it just sucks because I want him to be good. I want him to pitch well. I don't want him to be like this. I, I want him. I want to be behind him, and I want to be able to cheer for him and just be super excited for him. But he makes it so difficult to do that.
1: Yeah, he's really hard to like, unfortunately. Which is weird because all the, you know, you hear all the time as teammates. Oh, David's a great guy. He's a great teammate. Everyone says how good of a teammate he is. Everyone says he's such a great guy. But like, we haven't seen it as fans.
0: No, I mean I know he's a great guy off the field. He does so much charity work, and I'll never take away from him as being a person, good person. But like you said, I I don't see him being a good teammate. I can see him being extremely encouraging, and I can see him being like positive towards his teammates because he's you know he's very positive. Like oh I'll do better, I'll do better, and he's a good sweet talker, I guess you could say. So I can see that, but I don't see him being like you know the positive teammate. I, you know I hate comparing him to Chris Sale, but. Well, I'll go back to the Mookie Betts quote. He's like, "Guys, oh, he's, he's the best player on the team. It doesn't count that he didn't get a hit. Like, that's
1: a good teammate right there. Yeah, he just seems miserable. Really is what it is. I mean, he just doesn't seem happy, which I don't see how you can be a good teammate when you're happy. And, I mean, you are talking about how he's a good guy, but, like, do good guys just absolutely lose their mind and go off on media members and people that they, like, should be getting along with a little better and, like, respecting and stuff? Like, is he a good guy? Like, I'm not convinced yet.
0: I'm not there. Like I said, I know he's a good guy off the field with all the charity work he does, but in that clubhouse, I hate to say it, but I, I, I see him becoming a clubhouse cancer if this is how it's gonna keep going.
1: Yeah, I'm not a fan right now. And it takes a lot to, I mean, I know he's taken a lot of abuse. I know that people were brutal on him last year and still are. And it's, I think it's somewhat deserved, but like, man, I know it's like we, we hold him to higher expectations than like normal people and everything, but he's when you make that much money, unfortunately, that's what comes with it. When you're in the spotlight on TV all the time on a professional team, people expect that. And when you turn into a seven-year-old tantrum, then unfortunately people are going to judge you for that. And fair or not, and I'm you know, i not him, I can't say what he's been through personally because it's not me, but like, with the territory comes a certain level of responsibility, and he just doesn't seem to want to take that responsibility or doesn't want... To be in the spotlight, or just doesn't want to talk to. Anybody. I don't. I don't get it. I don't know.
0: I don't think he doesn't want to be in the spotlight. I think he's used to that by now. You know, he's he's, he's David Price. I just. I don't. I just think he's extremely unhappy here, and I think the unhappier he gets, the more tantrums we're gonna get, and it's gonna come out in ways where. And I think I said this in the chat, or I said this on the round roundtable. It's only a matter of time before this guy starts getting booed. During his starts, booed off the mound, booed when he gets when his name gets called, and we don't want to do that as fans. Like you said, we want to like our players. We we don't want him to be bad. I would never wish a bad start on him or anything. I just want him to be good. And I know that if he goes out there and he gets booed, he's going to lose his mind, and it's just it's going to be terrible.
1: Tonight was his first start at home of the season. The first three were on the road, so. Interesting interesting tidbit there. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really notice anything specifically like, oh, this is a home start. This is happening, but a couple bad starts, and it's gonna, it's gonna happen for sure. That's Boston for you. So, David Price aside, um, the Sox are now 36 and 28, which is a pretty solid record, getting better and better every day. They've won four out of the last five games, so we're gonna get a little stretch here and feeling good about the team. And um, that brings us up to this point. So we'll give MVPs for the week. And we are giving this week co-MVPs, one to Dustin Pedroia, because he came back from the DL, and even though he didn't play the first couple games, we're including these last few games in the week, because we're talking about it, um, but Pedroia came back, and after his 0-4 night on Friday, he's gotten two hits apiece in each of the last four games, two exactly in each game, he's gotten five runs total, two doubles, four RBI, and obviously the game winner uh, last night on Monday, so... For his return and his very good play the last several games, we're going to give one MVP to him, and we're going to give the other MVP to Mitch Moreland because he absolutely went nuts this week. He obviously got several big hits tying games and giving the team the lead. Um, He got three hits on Friday. He's had three two-hit games. He's had a ton of runs. He's had uh, um, seven runs in the past week. Three home runs and eight RBI and a handful of walks. So he's literally done everything for the team this week. And it's not even just gotten all those hits. It's that they've all been huge hits. They've all been really timely hits. So Pedroia and Moreland are our two MVPs this week. Hard to pick between them because they both did a lot of work for the team.
0: Oh, yeah. I I can't argue with you. I know we were talking about it, you know, before we started recording tonight, just, you know, who we were going to give it to and, you know, Mitch Moreland, I'm going to give a shout out to Hanley Ramirez for not wanting to play first this year because <laughs> now we have Mitch Moreland, so we don't have to worry about it. So Hanley, as much as we crab on you for being lazy and not wanting to play first, thank you because we appreciate everything Moreland has done. I think this finding is proving to be one of Dombrowski's biggest, uh, maybe most surprising in the off season besides the, you know, the sale, ac- 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 my goodness, if I could say that word. Acquisition? <laughs> That's the word I'm looking for. Um, <laughs> You know, aside from that, I think the Moreland signing was probably the, the biggest signing of the offseason, and, you know, you can't go against Pedroia, like you said, the bunch of hits, and, you know, I know people may have lost some respect for Pedroia after the whole Machado thing for I didn't come back. That's good, very good. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, but no matter what I think happens with Pedroia, because he's been on this team for so long and he's that veteran voice in that clubhouse, you can't hate the guy. and He plays the, He plays baseball. He plays with his heart, his head. He plays just – he puts his heart and soul into the game, and he wants to be the best baseball player he can be, and you have to respect the hell out of that. So I was, you know, like I said earlier, super happy to see that he could come back and really come in clutch for this team, and I'll never be able to say enough good things about Mitch Moreland this year. The guy who's just been on a tear, and I absolutely love it.
1: Yeah, he's been awesome. I mean, somebody – I can't remember who it was, and we're definitely going to go back and visit this probably the next month or so, our bold predictions at the beginning of the year. I can't remember who it was, but somebody said that he was going to have like a super good year with like 30-plus homers, 100-plus RBI. might have been Adam. I'm not going to say that for sure, but we'll go back and revisit that soon. But he has been absolutely great, everything we've wanted, and a lot more. So whoever said that prediction was definitely on the right page there. But no doubt for both these guys, huge contributions this week.
0: Yeah, like I said, you cannot go wrong with picking those two for uh, for MVP this week. And with that, our co-MVPs, your recap, and our opening segment was brought to you by our good friends at the SeatGeek Ticketing App, the smartest and easiest way to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. And you can get a $20 rebate on your first purchase by downloading the free SeatGeek app to your phone. Go to the settings pad, click add a promo code, and enter the code Report, all one word, for your $20 rebate. And SeatGeek... And- and so SeatGeek knows who sent you, your friends at Red Sox Beat. So, if you don't have a promo code, enter a Report, get that $20 off. Jess, I know you and I have used it. We've both gone to a handful of games, and it's just been awesome.
1: Yeah, it's a good app. It's very helpful. The $20 off is great. Got that in the first game I went to this year. Actually, it's the only game I've gone to so far, but that'll change soon. I'll be going to more for sure at some point. Just been a, a busy three months here. Um, I have i don't hold a candle next to the the amount of games you've gone to this year. <laughs> I don't know why I
0: thought you've gone to more than one, but maybe just because I, I think people should go to, you know, seven a
1: month. But. Right. Well, I usually okay. do. I, I'm usually at, like, five games a month for April, but not, not this year. Um, so, someday I'll go to more. But I've been to enough in my life, I think, for, for several years. So, I'm all yeah, set with um, that, but.
0: You, you would hate to go to a, a bad David Price start. I understand that. You don't want to risk that. And speaking of people who are having bad starts, we're just going to jump right into uh, Pablo Sandoval. And he's kind of been a bust so far since his return. And he's kind of been a bust since we signed him. It's, and it sucks because I I was so happy we signed this guy. Because, you know, I, I, you know me. I have a soft spot for the Giants because they're my NL team. I've got some connections out in the Bay Area. But... I just, I don't understand why he can't play well. I don't know if it's the American League. I don't know if it's, I don't think it's Boston being at all. I think he's mentally tough enough. I don't think it's a David Price kind of thing. I just, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he's, there's something deeper with an injury. And obviously, you know, his knee injury, knee injuries are incredibly hard to come back from. You, you need your knees for so much. So I get if he doesn't want to put 100% trust in that, but... And I know he's made some some good plays, too. He made a really nice, stretched-out catch the other night. He's made some really good plays, but in, for every play, I swear, he makes, like, two errors. So it kind of just erases that. So what? tell me, Jess, what's going on with Pablo Sandoval?
1: I just wonder if he's not even good anymore. Like, is he just not <laughs> good at baseball? Is this the end of Pablo Sandoval as we know it? I don't know. That's, I mean, if it's still an injury, like how many times can this guy get injured was my thought. So I hope it's not an injury because that's, it's just like his entire career here is just like plagued with injuries and terrible baseball. So I hope it's not that, but if it's not that, then it probably just means he's terrible at baseball, which is also not good because we signed him for five years to be good at baseball, and now he can barely even get in the lineup. So it's majorly concerning. Um, He... Doesn't play every day anymore. They don't trust him against left-handed pitchers. They don't trust him in the field. His average is down to 211. It got down as low as 205. Uh, he had three straight 0 for games, 0 for 3, 0 for 4, 0 for 4. He's just not good. His numbers are terrible. He looks uncomfortable. He can't feel for crap. He can't hit for crap. So, unfortunately, as I said at the beginning of the season, this is his time. We shouldn't be worried about third base. Then he got hurt. Now he's back, and he doesn't even have the spot guaranteed. I mean, how long is this guy going to last here? It's like, how long can you not play the guy, not trust him in any situation, and sit here and watch him hit two eleven? I mean, it's terrible.
0: It it is terrible, and it's so frustrating because I I, want—I love this guy. Like, I want to just support him and be behind him. And it's—I kind of comparing it to our love for Clay Buckles last year, where it's like I'm just holding on, just hoping and praying that this guy will be good because I know he can be good. And I don't want a shortstop situation to happen at third base where we're just cycling through third baseman. We can't find a third baseman. I'm sure the situation would be completely different if uh, Hernandez wasn't hurt. And, you know, Rutledge said earlier, vastly underrated this season, but he's not an everyday player. Brock Holt, who knows when he's going to come back. And it's just a mess at third base because our $95 million of Third baseman can't play, and I sent you know I sent you a screenshot where I was searching his name on Twitter last night. I was hoping that my fun fact could be about him, and it was just so much hate from from media, from fans. There were it was Fu Panda, Panda's garbage. Pablo oh, well, Sandoval can't play at the MLB level. Just I couldn't find one good thing. I'm like, okay, well I guess my fun fact will have nothing to do about Sandoval, and it's just it's so discouraging because. I was really hopeful for him this year because he really seemed motivated to to be better and I, I believed him and I, I still think he's motivated but I think when he's getting benched regularly and it's clear that John Farrell doesn't trust him it's going to cause him to lose confidence which is going to result in the errors he's making and I'm sure the, the errors he's making it, it eats at him too because he, wants, he doesn't want to be bad, he wants to be good and you know, he's played in big markets before. He's been under pressure before in that spotlight. So it's so frustrating. Like I just can't, I can't pinpoint what it is that keeps me holding on to him to be good. But I'm still holding on hope for him.
1: Yeah, you're the only one. I have no hope for the guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm sure Jared's holding on too. Jared loves Panda. Yeah, I'm I don't sure. even know.
1: If, I don't even know if he can hold on hope anymore. He's been so bad. It's it's kind of hard to
0: we'll do. We'll check in next week. Oh no, I won't be here next week. But check in with him for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll just have to see what he is on the maybe he'll have a good week or maybe he'll be even worse and never play. I don't it's hard to know with him. So yeah, I mean he's 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 just maddening. I was so excited when we signed him. I was thought it was gonna be a great sign, I was like, This is awesome, we're getting a great player. He's been nothing but a huge disappointment and he continues to be, and he's even worse than he was this first year here, he's just terrible. So he kind of uh he kind of knocked out all hope pretty quickly for me, and he's done nothing to gain it back, and he's gone in the negatives for gaining it back, so he's going to basically have to hit, like, 500 the rest of the season if he wants me to hold on to any hope for him for the rest of his career. I'm I'm pretty much done with the guy.
0: Well, Sandoval, if you are listening, please hit 500, because I want Jess, I want a good Jess rant, like a very positive Jess rant, how good he is, and just how pumped you are, so... Please, I'm begging you, just hit 500. Just, just this season, you can suck the rest of your career, just hit 500 this year. It's not, not going to happen. No, <laughs> <laughs> so, it's not going to happen. But something else that might not happen this year is Tyler Thornburg pitching in this bullpen. He <laughs> came out today, he's still experiencing shoulder issues, but surgery has not been recommended yet. I'm no doctor, um, but as someone who pitched before, you know, I pitched and I played softball, I've had shoulder issues, I think I've had every kind of issue in the book, but I would, if you're having still having issues now, whether it's because of the throne program or whatever you did to screw up your shoulder, wouldn't you want off to the surgery at this point if they're not really releasing anything else?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been so long and they still, like, have no idea what's happening and they, like, don't know why he's having shoulder issues, so, like, clearly something's not right, and usually the answer to that is surgery, but... I'm gonna make a proclamation right now. There's no way in hell this guy's pitching this year.
0: Yeah, you know, I was, you know, I've i held on to hope for this guy too to pitch this year, and I think after today, it just kind of it kind of dwindled. I was just like, nope, I don't, I don't see this guy. And if if for some miracle happens that like he does, it won't be until the playoffs. And if the bullpen keeps doing what they're doing, we're not gonna even need him. So I don't even think there's a point in bringing him into the bullpen this year, unless we're absolutely desperate, and if he's healthy enough, and that's the major concern right here, because we don't even know how this guy's going to pitch here, because we haven't seen him yet. So, definitely frustrating, but it is encouraging to a point, because we're not relying on him. So I'm not too concerned, but I'm concerned,
1: because I don't know what the hell is wrong with this guy. Yeah, the progression, or lack of progression, has been way too slow for this guy. It's just like every every time that he doesn't pitch, and just time passes and time passes, and nothing, 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 and then, like, oh, by the way, his arm still hurts, and he's not even close to returning. It's just, like, every time, it's like, what is going on with this guy? It's it's very strange, and the whole thing's been a mystery, because he wasn't even hurt when he came here, and then all of a sudden, he's just like, ah, oh, my arm hurts, I can't pitch. And it's just been and that ever since, so I don't I don't know what the guy's issue was. It's very strange.
0: I don't either, and I know Jared's made the point where he he's blaming it on the throwing program, which... At this, at this point, like you said, he wasn't hurt when he came here, so I am not. I wouldn't be surprised if that was it. But you would think they'd come out and say that, at least to a point, kind of like, whether they're beating around the bush about it, but I just feel like they would take some sort of responsibility. But, I mean, I think this is going to be, you know, we're not going to hear anything for a couple of weeks, and all of a sudden it's going to be, oh, yes, yeah, he's an ending shoulder surgery, and it's like a labrum issue, and I would hate it for the torn labrum issue, because those are just terrible to come back from. It, you know, any rotator cuff, shoulder or anything in that pitching area is just hard to come back from. But I
1: think at the end of the day, he's going to have surgery. Yeah, I think that you're right. And fortunately, like you said, it won't be as bad as it would have been because we haven't even seen him pitch. So we're not expecting anything, unfortunately. It'd be worse if he pitched for like three weeks. He was really good. And then he was out for the year. This is just like, he hasn't pitched at all. So he will continue to not pitch. And thank God the bullpen's pitching well because he's, this guy ain't coming back.
0: No, I don't I don't think we'll see him this year and it's it's just like I said, my hope's dwindling more and more every day. But I wanna shift from from the diamonds now up to the booth. Um Nesson Broadcaster Jerry Remy, longtime loved broadcaster here out in Boston, uh, announced this week that his cancer has come back for the fifth time and it just sucks. Like I love listening to this guy. I've listened to this guy eventually my whole life. And, you know, he's battled cancer now it's going to be for the fifth time, and he's gone through so much, not just with his health, but with, you know, his family, his son, just absolutely so much. Just, I hate hearing this kind of news, but what I'm taking from it is he's still in the booth with OB every week, or every day, and he seems in really good spirits, he, just, he hasn't missed a beat, and he's like, yeah, I'm having surgery in two weeks, and I don't, I think he'll be just, as, he'll be fine when he comes back, but it's just awful was for a record. Yeah,
1: I don't know how many times this is going to happen, and... That it keeps going away which is, it's obviously great but it needs to stop at some point or it's gonna be too late so I hope this is the final time but it's so crazy to me it's just like how positive he is every time about it he's just like early detection see your doctor I mean clearly the guy goes to the doctor like every week because they keep catching the recurrence over and over again but it's like every time he's, he's confident he's coming back he can't wait to broadcast more baseball it's like how many times can this guy have this and keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back? It's crazy. It's like quite the resiliency Resiliency for the guy. is incredible.
0: It is. It's been, it, like I said, what I'm taking from it is just how it, high spirits he is. It's just how positive he is. So it sucks to hear we all wish him a speedy recovery. And, you know, I, it always makes me think of uh, John Lester's cancer diagnosis. And it's wild to me to think that it's been 10 years since that whole thing went down. It was 07, 07 or 06 where he was diagnosed, so.
1: He doesn't keep coming back like Remy's, though.
0: I know, and it's weird because, I mean, cancer is a horrible thing, but it's just so weird how it works, you know. You know, Lester's been in remission for 10, 11 years, and Remy just can't stay out of the clear. It It's awful. Yeah,
1: it is awful. And I figured, when I saw this, I was like, there's no way he's coming back for the rest of the season. Like, that's it. And then yep. he's like, "Yep, I'll be coming back." It's like, "What? How, you're crazy! <laughs> How does?" He, and he's still doing games now, like before his surgery. Like the guy's an animal.
0: It's got to be what keeps him going, I and mean, he's been doing it long enough. And I'm sure being there takes his mind off of it because he's doing what he loves. So it's, I mean, it's got to be to a point where it's just a distraction for him, but a, a very good distraction. And you know, I think, I mean, I hope this is the last time. I'm, like I said, I'm no doctor. I don't, I don't know the exact extent of the cancer, but. You know, I'm glad he goes so often because I, I don't ever want to imagine games without without ready for, like, an unexpected stop in the season because something god-awful
1: like this happens. Yeah, honestly, it's, like, someday he's going to stop broadcasting, but, like, it seems like he's not going to because clearly it's, like, the thing he loves to do most, and probably when he stops broadcasting, that's, like, going to be the end of his life because this is, like, what he wants to do, and this is all he wants to do and like he said his family life isn't good so like he doesn't want to go back and deal with that so like it seems like at some point this is going to knock it out knock him out but he just keeps coming back for more and it's like at a certain point he's going to seem invincible because he just keeps coming back and keeps doing what he loves like it's going to he's going to get knocked out at some point right maybe
0: <laughs> hopefully in a long long time from now <laughs> that's all I... he's
1: a legend a red Sox
0: legend he is a legend and you know Don Orselo, Red Sox legends, speaking of legends, is uh, calling a Red Sox game on June 17th. Unfortunately, I know you and I will be missing it. Uh, I'll be getting ready to celebrate my brother's wedding and you'll be celebrating your brother's wedding. So, you know, good reason we're missing it. I'm not complaining, but I'm going to be so happy to just be able to to hear his voice again.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing some kind of replay or different calls from it because that's going to be awesome. It's a shame we can't see it live, but pretty cool. I'm sure it will take everyone right back to the good old days, and everyone's going to want him back. And basically, what it's going to do is make everyone whine for the next like five months about how they want him back again because that's all. It's, you know, that's all it's going to do.
0: Yep. It, but I can't blame any nothing against Ob or anything like that. But there's there's nobody that compares to Don Marcelo out here. So I'm I'm excited to. I'm going to be on Twitter, I'm sure. We'll have some, some GIFs, some replays, and some audio clips of some funny calls. I just, I want to hear his laugh. I want to hear him just, like, lose his mind laughing, because that was, it just makes my day when that happens.
1: Yeah, hopefully he can do that. And it's pretty crazy. There's a lot of things, interesting broadcasting things going on, because uh, Joe Castiglione is, is taking the weekend off this weekend against the Astros when Don's doing this game, and Dave O'Brien's actually doing a radio broadcast with Tim Neverett, on uh I believe it's Sunday and because it's a Sunday night baseball game, so Nessa wouldn't be doing that. So it's gonna be Dave and Tim Neverett and obviously Dave did the the uh, radio broadcast for nine years before last year and with uh with Joe, so he's gonna be back except with Tim this time instead of Joe. So like everyone's flipping around and doing like old things that they used to with Don and Dave. It's cool.
0: It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun and it's, I didn't know that Joe Castillo was taking the, uh, the weekend off. So yeah. that, that'll be interesting. Like, but I'm not going to be around this weekend. So, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to, you know, the old gang's back together. kind of seems that way. So I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to it. And, uh, before we get to our predictions and get out of here for the week, I just want to touch on a few things that have gone on in the MLB. The first I, I just, I want to talk about Aaron Judge. He is, he's not human. You know, Mookie Betts had that 435-hit, 445-foot home run, whatever it was the other night. And he was like, no, he's like, hold on, I'll do you one better. And hit a 495-foot home run, I think it was, yeah. which is just only seven feet shy of Ted Williams' home run. So to think that he's so young, he has like 812 home runs already, he's just <laughs> amazing. And I know uh, Nick Qualia put out a tweet that said he, like, he needs to know what lab the Yankees produced him in and he needs to know now. And I just, I got a good kick out of it because it's true. Like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? Like, do you think he's peaking too early or do you think that this is like, you know, the Andrew Bennett's of the Yankees?
1: Yeah, except a lot better.
0: <laughs> yeah, much better.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, he was, I, he was drafted um, pretty late in the first round, apparently in, uh, in 2013. A lot of teams passed on him. Apparently the Red Sox passed on him as well. Um, which is a shame, but I mean, man, the guy's 285 pounds. He's an absolute monster, and obviously every every inch and uh, pound of that body's put into hitting absolute bombs. and Four hundred ninety five feet, is insane, and he's just doing something every day. He's hitting two homers, four homers in three games, hitting the longest home run like from the stack ass era almost. And he's already you know he's the leading vote getter for the All Star game, so. Things are coming at this guy real fast, and, uh, boy, if he keeps this up, I don't know if he's peaking too early, but if he keeps this up, then uh, they have definitely got one of the best players. Um, If he he can keep doing this, and if this isn't, like, fool's gold, like, he's got to be one of the best players of all time if he keeps this up. Between his size, how many home runs he's going to hit, like, whoa, it's scary.
0: Very scary, and I'm going to throw two quick questions at you about Judge real quick. Uh, if he stays on this path that he's on this season, does he win the MVP? And is it only a matter of time before the league starts drug testing him?
1: <laughs> uh, to your second question, yes. Like, right away. <laughs> they're going to drug test him <laughs> probably all the time. Because they're going to be like, this isn't possible. You, you can't be this good. Uh, second question? I mean, first question? you uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, his average is 347. He's got 22 homers and 49 RBI. So he's on pace for some pretty monstrous numbers. So I don't know there's any way that he wouldn't get MVP if he keeps up what he's doing. I think he's probably first right now as it is with those numbers. And if he hits, like, 50, 60 homers, hits, like, 330, 140 RBI, he's definitely getting it. Oh,
0: I mean, I can't, I can't argue as much as I want, you know, Betts to be in that. Betts will be in that conversation, but and he just judge can just do it all, and it it blows my mind. and if the league's gonna drug test Eric Thames you know, early in the season, it's like they have to be getting ready to drug test this guy. I think if he's gonna have he's gonna have thirty home runs before the All Star break, he might even have thirty five if he keeps what he's doing. But. I can't, I can't hate the guy. The only reason I hate him is because he's on the Yankees, but he's so damn good. Where I just, I have to like him, and it's frustrating because of the team he plays for.
1: Yeah, we don't want him to do well, but twenty-two home runs is no joke, and he better be in the lab uh, getting tested every day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm, I'm right there with you. And uh, let's end the MLB headlines this week on a, on a nice positive note. Uh, Pirates, Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher Jameson Tyone pitched his first game since his testicular cancer surgery five weeks ago. Um, he came back, he pitched five scoreless innings, had five strikeouts. Just a, a really feel-good moment for him.
1: Yeah, he came back real fast from that. Really impressive. I remember the story just recently. Like you said, five weeks ago, uh, he's electing for surgery, testicular cancer. I mean, cancer blows, and there's no good cancers, but testicular cancer caught early is definitely like the most treatable one that there is. So if you're going to get one, which obviously no one wants, but if you're going to get it, Catch it early and get that because it's very treatable, which is great. And he's already back and he fished well. Pretty cool story.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think somebody from the the Colorado Rockies has the same testicular cancer as well. Um, I don't think he's back yet. Oh, Chad
1: Bettis. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yep. That's exactly who it is. Um, it's it's so unfortunate, but it's when I see stories like this, it just makes for you know happy ending. Whether it's if he, even if he sucks the rest of the year. Get a really good first start after after major surgery, so definitely love it. I love stories like this. It makes me makes me happy. And uh, let's just jump right into the predictions. You know, I know we won't talk about the two uh, two games that just happened with with Philly because we we know we would have predicted that they would have swept the two games at home. But let's just uh, they're back they're back at Philly. They're doing a home and home series. And uh, who you got? What are you doing for the Philly series?
1: Um, well, now with my knowledge of winning both games at home with the walk-offs, um, I think it's tough to win four straight games against anyone, whether it's a good team or the worst team in the league, as the Phillies are. Uh, so I'm p- predicting uh, a 1-1 and stretch here against the Phillies on the road to make it a 3-1 th- uh, and uh, home-and-home series overall. I think that's fair. I think if you lose one game to the Phillies, that's really not a big deal because, like I said, hard to win four games in a row. Wouldn't be surprised at all if it happened because these two games were were tough and maybe they'll be pissed that they should have won easier. But I like winning one out of two for uh, a three and a three and one home and home against the Phillies.
0: I like it. I, I like the uh, the positivity that you put on that. Um, gonna one up you just a little bit. I think they're gonna sweep. I think they're gonna do the win the, all the four games. And it really, I just think that. They're going to use these last two walk-offs. I know they're, they were long games. Team's probably tired. Now they got to travel to Philly. I think that, but they're going to just keep building off that. I think this team is really building some good chemistry. I think that they're really starting to put something together before the All-Star break. So I'm, I'm staying real positive. I think they're going to take all four from the Phil's. And side note, Hanley Ramirez is not playing first base in the series. That's just more time for Mitch Moreland.
1: (laughs) Which is always a good thing.
0: It is always a good thing. And then we have three games at Houston, and obviously they are very good this season, but I'm going to stay I'm still pretty positive with, with the Red Sox, even though Houston's pretty good this year. Uh, I think they're going to have a four-on-one week and take two out of three from Houston. Like I like I just said, same thing with the Phillies. I just think they're building some good chemistry here. I don't see them going 5-0 and o for the rest of the games, but a girl can dream. But I'm going to take two out of three for a nice four-on-one week.
1: Yeah, that's pretty ballsy, because the Astros are the best team in the league. They're 44 and 22, and they're 44 and 22 after losing three straight games. They're on a three game losing streak, and they're still that good. So, funny actually, they're worse at home than on the road. They're good in both, but they're better on the road. They've been absolutely insane on the road this year. But I'm picking lose two out of three, because in Houston, to a team that's playing really well, I mean, the Sox are really picking it up right now and playing well, but, I think that might be a tough series, so I'm going two and three in these five games. Um, I expect better than that, but I'm going to stick with that for predictions' sake. Um, but you know, maybe hey, maybe they'll sweep Houston. You know, put put them in the dumpster and uh, really, really take this take this winning streak far and get back t- into play with the Yankees. And I mean, a game's over 500 right now. It's looking pretty good.
0: It is looking pretty good. So. There you have it. That's our show this week. And I think we're going to come back next week, and we're going to have an undefeated nice 5-0, five games to talk about. Oh. I hope that's the I hope you and Jared uh, can talk about a nice big positive week for for this, for this the show. I think it'll be good. And with that, this has been Red Sox Speed, another week, another showdown. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. And another way to listen to us is to download the free CLNS Media app it's for iOS and Android. All you have to do is simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace for Android or your Apple iPhone. And download the app, to listen to us. It every week. And we'll be back if you next week. There's will be back. I will not be on the show, but Justin Harris will absolutely hold it down without me. So for just Thomas. this has been Lauren Campbell.